and, and it started with actually, I learned it three or four times, but I'm, I'm a slow learner. Um, but my, my uh, last on-campus uh, semester, I did, um, I had three jobs, three. Um, I, um, like as a side thing on top of that, I would fix people's cars and I would go and fix plumbing for people on campus because I figured out that I would do it faster than maintenance. You know, they'd put in a request to take a week. Whereas if they called me, I'd do it for 10 bucks, and, you know, I, so I, I picked up all this side work doing things like that. And um, I took 18 credit of classes, so I was, you know, full plus. And I had a girlfriend, and I had hobbies, and I had about three hours of sleep a night, right? Um, and and I, I did that for, what, four months straight, where I was just never sleeping, and I was running, 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 and then one day I woke up and I had this, like, sore throat, right? And that sore throat the next day was a lot worse. Mind you, I didn't stay in bed all day with my sore throat. I just, you know, went as though it wasn't a problem, and and it was worse. And by the end of the third or fourth day, my throat had swelled shut, and I couldn't, like, eat or drink anymore. And I went to the doctor, and he said, well, you have, anybody know what I had? Mono, yeah. And you know how you get it? You don't sleep, and you subject yourself to extreme stress for months on end. And and I got it. The guy said, "Well, you have you have a really bad case. Like you're you're gonna be miserable." And I I actually took some finals like that. You know, I went half asleep, barely dragging myself out of bed. You know, hadn't eaten in two days, but I took a final like in a room full of other people. You know, because because I am a very slow learner. Right, and I remember I, uh, I I took a journalism class that semester, and the professor sat me down. And he said, "You know what? Some people burn the candle at both ends. You're incinerating it. You you need to cut it out." You know, and I I missed the rest of the semester. I barely passed most of my classes, and 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 um, I I learned an important lesson that if you do way too much, if you ignore the fact that you know the warning signs, I'm tired. I don't feel good. I don't have time to do the things that are important. Eventually, what's going to happen is you're going to break down, right? Um, and I did that again the next semester. I didn't get mono, but I did get sick because I pushed myself too hard. And then um, actually earlier this year, I took a week off because I had pushed myself so hard that I had kind of started to break down a little bit. And, and, and like every time I can look back and every time I have all these warning signs, you all get that? Um, but it's a little like, and I know I've used the analogy before, it's a little like the warning signs on a car, right? Uh-oh, the light came on. I'm sure i got a sticker to put over that. You know, oh, it's making some extra noise. I bet there's something good on the radio I could crank up so loud I can't hear the noise anymore. Um, like, it is this sort of natural position of, of, of myself. I don't know, anybody else do this? Where you get set in doing what you want to do, and things start going wrong, and you ignore it as best you can so you can keep doing what you want to do. Anybody else? Just me? <laughs> so here we are with Samson, right? Uh, this is the story of Samson and Delilah. We are at the very end of Samson's story. I'm actually going to do this in two parts. Um, and, and so Samson has, and we've kind of talked about all of these screw-ups that Samson's done along the way. Um, and the whole book of Judges, like Samson, is sort of the epitome of awful. Right? He is the worst judge. He's a womanizer. He's temperamental. He doesn't really care about God's calling on his life. But he's also like awesome. 
right? He's strong and he's tough and he, you know, pulls off these amazing exploits, but he always does them because he wants to. And the story of Judges is actually the story of decline, where each judge gets worse and worse. And the point of it is, on our own, right, on our own, we will always fail in the long run, right? If you try to be holy on your own, in the long run, you're going to fall apart. If you try to do everything on your own, what's going to happen in the long run? You're going to fall apart. You cannot individually do everything. Um, and, and like the Old Testament is sort of this case study of you need Jesus to get by, right? You need Jesus to succeed. You need Jesus to be like who God made you to be. And, and Samson is kind of the bottom rung of this. Um, where Samson on his own just fails and fails and fails and fails. And so here we are. Samson has had a problem with women all along the way. This is the third woman we encounter in Samson's story. Is the only one that is given a name, Delilah, right? Um, and, and so we're going we're gonna to learn about that. Um, in the last sermon, Samson went to Gaza, and he spent some time with a prostitute, right? Probably playing cards or something. Um, and, and the town shows up to kill him, and he escapes and takes the city gates with him, like this huge insult against the, the people of Gaza. And he carries them off to, to Judea, and he puts them up as a proclamation, look, we humiliated the enemy. Um, and so that ends, Samson is hauled off these gates, the people of Gaza are insulted and humiliated, and that's going to come back into the story here. Um, but we pick up at verse 4 in chapter 16, if you're following along in your Bible, that's a good thing. Um, Sometime later, now sometime later, because every other time, you know, usually in the book of Judges, it breaks stories up. This sometime later connects it to the previous story. And so, like, we're given a hint as to why the story of Gaza is included, right? Um, He fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Um, Now, there's something missing in this particular account right here in the beginning. Every other time Samson, like, has an affair with a woman, it starts with, um, then Samson saw a woman in, you know, the, a Timnite woman, or Samson saw a prostitute. And this time, it doesn't mention Samson seeing anything, right? And there's two reasons for this. Part of it is foreshadowing, right? Because pretty soon Samson ain't going to see nothing anymore. Um, but the other half of this is um, Samson has gone from a place where he does what his, like, senses tell him to do. He sees an attractive gal, and he says, I'm going to chase after her. He sees something he wants, and he does it. He sees something that offends him, and he acts out. Now Samson is not seeing it and processing it. Samson is just doing it, right? Like, he stepped beyond the, hey, that looks good, too. This is just how I'm going to live my life, right? And so Samson has broken down to a kind of a special place of, of like, enmeshed in his, in his sin and his like broken patterns. Samson, like, he's not thinking about it. He's just acting now. Everybody with me? And that might be partially because Samson's kind of dumb. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, But Samson does some really dumb things and is kind of obtuse and will, you know. Anyway, the Valley of Sorek is in Philistine territory. Everybody's shocked, right? Because Samson spends his whole life hanging out in the other country, the country of his enemies, and all of the women that Samson is attracted to are... Philistines, right? He's always kind of sleeping with the enemy, right? Um, now, Delilah it never tells us what she is, but like if we assume that the pattern continues, she's probably a Philistine. And if she is a Philistine, then her name may be, like it's not real clear the word 
like names are important in the Bible. They always mean something. It probably is the case that her name means night or darkness, right? Some foreshadowing again. We're going to get to why here in a second. So Samson is there. He has fallen in love with Delilah. He has um, moved in with her. They're living together. Um, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we might tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Now, there are five guys that would have been involved in this. So they're offering her 5,500 shekels of silver. This is like winning the Powerball. Got it? I mean, the amount of money they are offering her is, like, ridiculous. In that era, 1,100 is ridiculous. Um, but 5,500 is beyond the pale. Right? So they are offering her an enormous amount of money. She will never worry about money again. She will be set for life. She can have anything she wants. She can live like royalty. They are giving her more money than her children will be able to spend, assuming she ever has children. Um, and so they are offering her this huge amount. Um, and all they have to do, all she has to do is betray Samson. And, of course, she has no problem doing that, right? Um, now, here's kind of a cool little tidbit. Whenever we think of Samson, we think of, like, a big, muscular guy, right? I mean, isn't that pretty much it? I mean, we think of, like, you know, Samson. In fact, I read a poll this week, you know, one of those Internet polls. Would Samson look like which actor? You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, The Rock, you know, Eric. Um, you know, um, <laughs> and, and there's kind of an interesting little tidbit here. Like, Samson was probably not a muscular guy. And this question gives it away. Because if Samson's a guy with, like, 55-inch biceps, right, it would be a really dumb question to say, where does his strength come from? Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, because he's muscular. Right? Like, Samson may have been kind of scrawny. Just, you know, kind of tossing that out there. Um, he may not have been, like, the most impressive physical specimen. But So he's in this situation. He is, like, like going to be betrayed by Delilah. And we're going to go through some of this quick we'll do our best to kind of um kind of work through it but like there's a lot of text here um so delilah said to samson tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued and samson answered if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried i will become weak as as weak as any other man now at this point in time samson should stop and say what do you want to know right i mean like this would be an obvious question. I mean, it really would be. But Samson is not concerned with why do you want to know. Samson has gotten it into his head that he's indestructible, right? And that nothing can go wrong. Now, his answer, seven fresh bowstrings, might seem a little weird. But it plays into kind of another motif in the story. Everybody assumes that Samson saw a magician and cast a spell on him or something like that. Like that Samson's strength comes from... Magic And the seven bowstrings, if you read some of the literature of the ancient world, like the surrounding area, there's kind of a hint that this is a magic thing. Everybody with me? There's one thing that it definitely is, though. Seven undried bowstrings would be unclean, right? Remember, Samson is a Nazarite. That's where his strength comes from. It's not because he had long hair. It's because God set him apart for a job and his in, in order to be a Nazarite, he never cut his hair, he never drank alcohol, and he never, like, did anything unclean. So he mentioned something specifically that makes him unclean because he's hinting at the actual truth, right? Um, I'm trying to think of, like, safe examples of this. Have any of y'all ever, um, 
like you're on a diet and you think, well, I'm just going to go look in the fridge. You know what I'm talking about? And then you're there and you're looking and you think, well, I'm looking. Gosh, maybe it smells good. And you get a little closer to the line, right? Wow. I I met a guy years ago who um, often, he just cheated on his wife a lot. Um, and, and talking to him one day, he, um, he said, well, my problem is that I'm curious. I, I get, you know, I get to talking to a girl and I'm curious what will happen. And we talk more and then I'm curious what will happen then. And like, it's like, well, wait a minute. You're not curious. You're just cheating on your wife, guy. Like, it ain't about curiosity. It's about you, you know, doing what you're doing. But he labeled it something else because he was moving closer and closer to the line, and he didn't want to admit, I'm kind of a dirtbag, right? I mean, like, nobody wants to say that. And this is kind of where Samson is. Samson justifies everything over and over again. He's sort of blind to his own faults. He puts all that stuff aside, and he does what he wants to do, Right? Um, and he gets closer and closer to the line until he gets in trouble. And he's done this a couple times. Um, and in this instance, we get a much bigger picture of this. Samson is moving up on the edge of the line. He's hinting because the, the bowstrings think this is a, a Nazarite deal. Like, it is. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With some men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Now, Samson might have at this point said, hey, this looks suspicious, right? I mean, anybody else, right? Hey, there's something wrong here. But... Samson doesn't care, again, because Samson has convinced himself that he's indestructible. He's convinced himself that what he wants is what's always right and the best path to follow. But like the other thing is, you'll see where I met a guy who um, was in rehab. He was in rehab. It's not like he was sitting, you know, at an AA meeting. It's not like he was sitting. He was in rehab, and he'd been arrested repeatedly, and his family had disowned him and everything else. And I was talking to him, and he said, well, it's not my fault. The cop who arrested me, dot, dot, dot. So it was the police officer's fault that you were drunk in public and stealing stuff. Got it. Whose fault is it? His fault. But in order to protect the behavior that he wanted to maintain, he closes his eyes to this area and only looks at this, right? Um, the, there's a word for that. It starts with a D. Denial. Right? And this is where Samson is. Samson is so enmeshed and stuck in his sin that he can't see that he is that he's in real trouble, that Delilah is going to kill him, um, that, that she's betraying him. And so like he's but he did know enough to lie to her, so he's got that going for him. Um, then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me and lied to her, you have lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. Really? This is, I mean, he should, you know, he should catch the hint, but he doesn't. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So he lies to her again, again, a little bit of sense, but this is actually something he's done before, right? 
In the first story, the first account of Samson killing a bunch of people, we see where the Jewish people tied him with seven new ropes and it didn't work. So apparently Delilah hadn't heard about this. Um, so Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, hidden in the room. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't emphasize that enough. In the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Um, and so Samson, again, this is obvious, right? It just is. I met a guy who died on an operating table and went and got drunk the next day. Like he, he alcohol poisoning, died like in the, not the operating, he died in the emergency room and he was dead for several minutes and they brought him back. And when he got out of the hospital, he went and got drunk. <laughs> but this is what this guy's doing, right? Um, I, I've talked to guys who, you know, who will quit one sinful thing and then five minutes later do it again because they don't realize it's destroying them. I've met folks who lose their, you know, lose everything and just keep going because the one thing they want, the thing is the idol in their life that they worship above all else is the thing they're chasing after. And this is who Samson is now. Samson doesn't get it because, because Samson is so enslaved to his sin that he can't stop. I mean, he literally is blind now, right? Which is why um, we're never told that he saw anything, right? He didn't see Delilah and thought she was hot. He was just, he was enslaved to his sins at this point. That's why Delilah is darkness, right? Because that's where Samson's hanging out, man. He's blind. He's stuck. Um, Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied, he replied. If, he replied, if you weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric of a loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So he, was sleep, so he was sleeping and Delilah took the seven braids of his hair and wove them into the fabric or wove them into the fabric and tightened it with a pin. Again, she called out to him, Samson, the Philistines are on you. And he awoke from his sleep, pulled up the pin from, and the loom with the fabric um, all right, this is ridiculous, right? Because, like, all right, so a loom in the ancient world, like the type of loom that this probably was, would be two big stakes in the ground, and they'd run line between them, and the pen would be how you would, like, separate. To, anybody know how a loom works? Like, but this is a big contraption. And so Samson had to fall asleep physically next to the loom after telling her, the loom is my weakness. Um, by the way, there's a big magic thing in here. There's a whole lot of magic that he's implying. Like he, Samson is super familiar with like pagan culture. Um, and that's how he's able to sort of toss this out there. Hair in the ancient world is oftentimes associated with life force. And so like the idea of binding my hair into the fabric of this, you know, cloth is sort of this, you know, will bind up your life force and you won't, like, he's basically, oh, well, if you perform this magic trick, I'll be stuck. Um, and she says, well, hey, how about if you go to sleep next to the loom? Seriously? But Samson is blind. And it's this, I, I, I sometimes call it tunnel vision. This is how the world should be, and that is the only way it can be, and I'm stuck, Right? And Samson is stuck because he's a slave to his sin. He has no desire to do anything else. His flesh dominates him. Finally, he breaks up this loom and he beats up the bad guys. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you? By the way, how many of y'all remember the story of Samson's wife? 
Like he married her, and before like they even consummated the marriage, she betrayed him by getting this riddle secret from him. And the line she used was, how can you say you love me, but you won't tell me the answer to the riddle? Right? There's a parallel. And the point is, Samson is falling into the same stupid trap because Samson ain't learning nothing. He, he just isn't. He is, he's blind is what it is. Because I don't think he's that dumb. I think he's blind. Um, he's unable to see like how his sinful patterns are, are destroying him. How they're destroying him. And you won't confide in me. This is the third time you have made a fool of me and you haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such a nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. By the way, sick to death of it, he's about to be dead of it, right? Like, and actually, it's what they said in regards to the Timnite, right? Like, he was sick to death of it, so he told her the answer. Now, if you flash back just real quick, um, the story of his wife, Samson, with his, with his wife, he, he's at his wedding, and he tells the Philistines a riddle, Right? Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. Right? And their answer to him, after they convinced his wife to betray him, right, was to give a riddle back. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Right? And what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? The allure of a woman. Right? And here we see what is sweeter than honey is Delilah, and that's why he keeps coming back. And she's stronger than Samson because she owns him, right? And I use that word intentionally. Anything that controls you this way, anything that allows you to self-destruct over and over again owns you, right? If it's pornography. I know guys who will, like, actually I know men and women who've destroyed their lives chasing after, like, sexual fulfillment. Just this over and over again, and they just wreck their lives, right? Just, this is what I want, and I have to have it. Sometimes it's about selfishness, right? I have to have my way. Sometimes it's about control. You know, nothing can be out of control. I've got to keep everything nailed down. Sometimes it's just about being angry, right? Some people are so controlled by their anger and their bitterness and their rage that they, like, destroy themselves over and over again. They destroy everybody around them. But they come back and say, oh, it's not my fault, right? And that's who Samson is. And Samson is about to be undone by what he is enslaved to. And a lot of us live in that world, enslaved to things, right? Enslaved to family, enslaved to work. I, I struggle with, like, the fact that I'm enslaved to busyness, right? I mean, that is my perpetual thorn. And it's such a, like, virtue, isn't it? Because, like, we have a habit of turning our sins into virtues. Um, you know, oh, I'm just curious about other women. No, <laughs> you're lustful. That's what that is. Um, I'm busy, it means I'm diligent. If I work hard enough, God loves me, right? But it's not true. If I work hard enough, then I'm not, you know, worthless. Like, at the end of the day, everything that gets in the way of us following Jesus and loving Jesus and belonging to Jesus and being his people is sin. And my busyness is sin, right? Um, And I'm willing to bet that there's probably other folks sitting in the room who have something that's just under the surface where you're like, oh, yeah, I got that. You know, and, and, oh, yeah, I guess that does that does hold on to me. Oh, yeah, I guess that's tripped me up and damaged my marriage and damaged my family and damaged this and damaged that. Like, it's there. Like, these are realities because we're all sinful. We're all, like, with the flesh, and our flesh trips us up and screws us up. So she nags him and nags him and nags him and nags him. And finally, so he told her everything. 
No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite, dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. So Samson is dumb, right? But in reality, he's just a slave to sin. Like, he's not intellectually done. He's a slave to sin. And his slavery to sin has now, like, bested him completely. Um, When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers. Thank you, honey. Uh, She sent... She sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, um, she called for someone to shave off his seven braids, uh, the seven braids of his hair, and she began to subdue him, and his strength left him. So it's out, right? And Samson is undone completely. He is, and actually subdued him, Means can mean a couple things. She either tied him up, which is probably like the obvious is why subdue is the word that they choose. But it also could mean that she started torturing him, right? Like that she said, well, you know, since you're weak now, I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of the opportunity. I'm going to torture you. Um, it could have been either way. It's tough to say for sure. Um, here's the thing. Samson... Samson's reached the, uh, the end. I mean, like, this is how it was always going to end. As long as Samson was owned by something, this is where it was going to end. Um, there was no other way. It just was, like, it was impossible. This is how, how it was going to happen because his sin was going to come back bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, if you read Romans 1, actually, is a great example of this, where God, uh, Paul talks about how, like, people in their flesh, in their sin, pursue their sinful desire. And God says, listen, if you're going to pick that over me, you can have it. And when he hands them over to their sinful desire, it gets bigger. And he says, listen, if you're going to keep picking that over me, you can have it. And he hands them over and it gets bigger. And before you know it, they're way out in the left field because sin has this encroaching thing in us. Um, And we can't help it. It's who we are. It's who Samson was. Um, Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And this is one of the saddest passages in the Bible, right? He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. Now, I'm going to pause right there. I'll go out as before and shake myself free. He's not saying, God will help me, because Samson is convinced that everything he does right, every strength, every advantage, every everything is all about him because he has no, he has no inkling that God is involved, Right? He has no desire for God to help him. Samson is all about Samson. And so he says, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And so he's about to have a very rude awakening. Um, I was thinking this morning um, about ministers. I actually was reading a book yesterday, and it talked about a, a minister who was caught in sin, like a very prominent one. And and I I sometimes wonder what it's like to wake up in the morning and discover that every dark, nasty little secret that you've got hidden is suddenly out in the open, right? I had a really good friend in Indiana who cheated on his wife. It was a different guy. Um, but it, it came out in the open all at once, you know, and it just, everybody knew. And it was like, oh, man, that's awful. Like he woke up and suddenly the worst of it is out there and he's stuck, right? Um, this is where Samson is. He's woken up. Everything is out in the open, Every, you know, and he's, he's undone completely. And the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. So they have physically made him like what he was spiritually before, right? 
He's plunged into darkness. He can't see any longer. It's, it's really appropriate, right? But they also did it because they're humiliating him, and they took him to Gaza. Why Gaza? Because this is revenge, right? Hey, Samson, remember what you did? You're going to come to our town now, and you're going you're gonna to be our slave. You're going to be the lowest of the low. Um, binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. Um, grinding grain in the prison would be slave work or animal work, right? And so this is humiliating. Um, by the way, so he humiliates Gaza, and in the first story, he burned the grain in their fields. And so they're like, yep, you're going to pay us back every cent. Every cent you're going to pay us back. Here you are. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now, that last line is huge. And it's huge for this reason. Not because the hair was the source of his strength, but because Samson in darkness, right? He is in the dark, and he is tied to a wheel that he pushes day and night, and he has nothing but his thoughts to keep him company, right? And I'm guessing that Samson spent a lot of time in his head thinking, Man, I'm stupid. Right? I mean, what would you think? Man, he might have started out mad. That Delilah, I can't believe she betrayed me. But over time, he probably got to thinking, man, I, I really betrayed God. I really neglected God's calling on my life. I really, I screwed up. And here I am. Like he was imprisoned by the fact that, that he undid himself. And I, I say that this is a bit of a leap. The text doesn't tell us that, but... Um, next week, we're going to talk about why that is probably the case. Um, but where he's ended up, basically, is where a lot of folks end up. Broken, in the dark, in the gutter, alone, everything fell apart, miserable, tortured, etc. Now, this is not a very upbeat sermon, but here's the good news. The good news is that this is the state of all of us, so you're not alone. Yay, everybody else is awful. Um, <laughs> The other good news is that God recognizes that this is who we are, that we can never perfect ourselves on our own, that we can never climb up to him by our own good works. And so he says, he sends his son, he sends Jesus Christ down to our level to do the work for us. And so Jesus lives this perfect life, and he takes Samson's sin on his back when he goes to the cross. And he takes your sin on his back when he goes to the cross. You can never, ever, ever earn it. Um, You can ignore it and carry the weight of it for the rest of your life and have it destroy you, but you can always come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I I have failed. These are my sins. This is how I hate people. This is how I'm lustful. This is how I'm addicted to alcohol. This is how I'm um, stealing from people. This is how I'm wasting my life. This is how you've given me talents and I've played with them. By the way, that's what Samson has done, right? Everything is a toy to Samson, right? Like God gives him strength. He uses it to have fun. God gives him, um, you know, power. He uses it for his own self. He meets his wife. He basically plays with her, right? And stomps away when he gets mad because he's childish. And, and I mean, everything is a toy to Samson. Like, but people do this, right? And, and we live in this spiritual blindness. But ultimately, like, the way to fix that is, like, in Christ we can be healed. All we have to do is say, you know what, I'm going to follow you and I belong to you and we're forgiven. That's it. It's like this free gift. It's not even you have to be good enough for God to love you, right? Because Samson never does anything right. He doesn't. Even when he does things right, he does it accidentally, which is kind of messed up. But God forgives Samson, and he uses Samson again later. 
Um, and the same is true of any of us. Like, we may stumble, we may fall, we may sin, we may everything. We may say it's everybody else's fault in the world, but at the end of the day, God will forgive us if we confess and we repent and we turn to Christ. That is it. It's free and it's easy and it's amazing that God is so wonderful like that. And the cooler thing about that is God has designed the world so he's glorified, like God is glorified when he forgives the unforgivable. When he goes the distance down the mountain to pick you up, God, like, is glorified by that. He considers that to be the best of the best. Like, that's awesome. I mean, because I know folks who say, well, I will not come near God because I'm pretty sure he's sending me to hell no matter what. And in reality, God is, you know, he sent his son to save you from, like, like the judgment that comes with your sins. Like, like he doesn't want us to end up as Samson. Actually, he says that over and over in the Old Testament. I take no joy, take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Like, he wants people to turn. He wants people to come back to him. Um, we can play with temptation, guys. And, like, some of y'all are in that spot, and some of y'all have, like, resonated with this. If you're in that spot where, like, temptation is something you play with, where you walk closer and closer to the line and say, hey, I haven't stepped over it, I haven't stepped over it, I haven't stepped over it. Like, you don't have to fall. You can always come back to Christ, but it means you stand up and you confess and you make it right. And I'll tell you, part of that is confessing to another person. It is huge. I remember I did something pretty bad in college. And I thought out in my head why it was okay. And then I had a conversation with a, like the guy who was the best man at my wedding. I said, oh, this is what I did, but it's okay because dot, 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 dot. And he's like, no, no, it's not okay. You're wrong. Like, dude, you are wrong. <laughs> and here's why you're wrong. You can't, like, pretend that what you did was okay, right? Which is a nice thing about people on the outside because people on the outside will call you out, right? That's the advantage of confession. Um, it puts us out in a place where, like, when we, you know, people around us, like, they can hold us accountable. It's, other people are a gift. We might hate them at times, but they're a gift um, in that way. Um, so as you're in this spot, as you're here today, we're going to close in prayer in a minute here. I want you to examine your heart. I want you to look at who you are, and I want you to ask yourself, like, where's your blindness? Most of us have a blind spot, right? I, I went with the Williamses the one day, and I... I drove a truck just down the highway with Mark. You know, no turns, no nothing, just straight. Um, and and um, it, it struck me as crazy how big the blind spot on those trucks are, right? And how big a wreck could happen just over that tiny, you know, that, that big like eight-foot section back there. Um, most of us have it. Um, and the only way to deal with it is to back up and say, God, show it to me. God, show it to me. God, show it to me. Or to intentionally wake up and open our eyes, turn the radio down and hear the thumping in our engine, take the sticker off and see the light, um, recognize that burning the candle at both ends and in the middle is a problem and you have to change. Um, like we have to stop and realize. Um, and then we have to confess and turn. Um, and this can happen as you follow Christ, by the way. Like, little sins can dig in and, like, kill you. Um, one of the surest signs of that is pain, right? You ever step on a piece of glass? Or, like, cross on the lawn, you step on a, on a thorn? Like, I always complain. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wish I could just walk across the grass. Hannah Anderson, that's crazy to me. Like, I see her at the end of summer growing up. She would walk around on gravel barefoot like it was nothing. And I think, oh, my gosh, you have hobbit feet or something. How do you do that? But that's Kate. Um, <laughs> but, but in reality, pain is kind of a good thing, right? Because if I were to step on a piece of glass and gash my foot, I would bleed to death if I didn't hurt. Um, where do you hurt? 
Like, where are you struggling? Where are you angry? Where's the nastiest stuff in you? Bring it to Jesus and fix it. Because otherwise we end up like Samson, right? We end up in this spot where we say, well, you know what? I don't get along with my wife anymore, but that's her fault. And not, hey, what's going on in my heart? How do I fix it? Or, hey, I'm struggling at work, but that's everybody else's fault. Hey, you know, this area is falling apart, but that's everybody else's fault. Look in your heart and ask yourself, how is Jesus, like, calling you? How is the Holy Spirit moving you toward repentance? How is he moving you to just submit to Christ? Because that is all it takes. Samson had to grind at a wheel, and some of you guys are grinding at a wheel in your life. You wake up every morning, and you're like, I don't even want to get out of bed, right? Maybe you're sitting in the darkness waiting for God to say, wake up. The problem is if you don't wake up, it gets louder, and it hurts more. Samson lost his wife, he nearly got killed in Gaza, and now he's blind, right? Um, Doesn't have to kill you. All it takes is turning to Christ. We're going to close in prayer, and I'll I'll, uh, let you all be today. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us today. I pray that you would open our eyes to the spiritual blindness, Lord. Um, It's so easy to live like Samson, and and Lord, you know I've done it so many times. but, Father, I thank you that, that you love me too much to leave me the way I am and that you love me too much to leave me to my own devices. And I pray that everybody else here who is who's hearing the word today, that, that they would turn to Christ, that they would know him, and that they would pursue holiness, just a natural part of their existence. Because this is what you call us to, Lord. You call us to love you, know you, and grow close to you. And that's what we're made for. Um, I pray that you would just touch our hearts and melt the frozen parts and break up the stony parts. Um, and just help us to turn to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a good morning, folks.